today, the Lord put in my heart to discuss it's a little a topic that we speak on it quite often. You do, um, we do work. It's more. It's a, it's a topic basically about summing it up. Your heart and money, and where your heart is. So I'm going to dig deep, and I'm going to dive deep. I'm going to do a lot of, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of reading today, but you guys are going to be with me. I know the Lord has, has something incredible for, in store for you and for myself. The topic of today is called, the title is called The Poor Rich Man. And this is a story where Jesus is saying a parable. How many of you know that Jesus spoke a lot in parables? And this was a parable that Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. How, much, how many of you know that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all the E's were giving Jesus a hard time? Yeah. <laughs> um, Jesus loves everyone, but he didn't like everyone, believe it or not. I know that sounds a little weird. Well, Jesus, not. So he, he didn't like them very much, but he did love them. He still died for them. And you can read through scripture and you'll see it. I'm not going to go into all the details of all the times and the confrontations that Jesus had with these Pharisees. Um, but these were people that were extremely materialistic. These were individuals that believed that their social monetarily, monetary status is what gave them their, their uh, I guess, their respect. Not only with other humans, but, you know, if, if God uh, give, if I have money, it's because I'm in God's favor. And that is true, but to a certain extent. Because the money, the money never made the man. The man made the money. Uh, and God's intention was never for the money to be your God. But God be the one that dominates you, and then you can be blessed financially. So I'm going to dive deep into this story now. It's a story of a rich man and Lazarus. And not Lazarus in the book of John Lazarus, Lazarus in the book of Luke, because this is a beggar named Lazarus. So Jesus now is talking to the Pharisees, okay, church? And he's here talking to these men. He knows exactly who these people are. We all know Jesus is all-knowing. Come on, church. He, uh, he has a way of, uh, of telling us things, right, and especially in the parables and as he's speaking to these People that think that they're, you know, the last coke, uh, the last coke on earth. They'll say uh, they think they're very prideful individuals. These people, you know, they, 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 yeah, they're they're very uh, up. They 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 think extremely highly of themselves. Okay, and it's because of their materialistic views and because of you know their ignorance towards sin and other things. But. Just, I want you to understand, I want us to pretend like if we're all in the, uh, the time of Jesus and we're there watching Jesus say this parable to the Pharisees. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, let's go back. Luke 16, verse 13 through 14. NIV. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one. And love the other. Or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve both God and money. Verse 14, this is, I'm going to make it all clear to you what I just said. Look what it says here. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus, being like, okay, let's see what you have to say. Next verse. He said to them, you are the ones, excuse me, let's stop right here. There we go, okay. 14, the Pharisees who love money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. Verse 15, go to 15, excuse me. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God, who knows your hearts, wow, what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Now we're going to jump a couple verses down. Same chapter. You guys with me? Say amen. Now Jesus gets into the parable. Right there, he just basically shut them up. Pharisees, what you think is valued highly in God's eyes is detestable. God sees the heart. Luke 16, verse now 19. We're jumping a couple verses down to the parable that I'm telling you about, about the rich man and Lazarus. Now Jesus is about to tell these individuals about the parable. All right, church, let's get to the story. Here is Jesus saying the story in verse 19. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So now we know we have Lazarus that's extremely rich. He's got a beggar outside, this, this very poor man. His name is Lazarus. And this Lazarus individual was so poor, he was just longing, longing to just get the crumbs off of his table. Look what it says here on verse 22. The time came when the beggar died and the rich angels, excuse me, I'm sorry. Can we please? Yes, thank you so much. I need them to focus. I love kids, but we have, yeah, okay. Praise the Lord. All right, ready, church? Say you with me. Say amen. amen. Good, good, good. We are not that I don't. I'm not offended by it, but I really want you to focus right now. And if that does happen to kids crying, just take them outside for one second. Thank you. I want to make sure we're all here focused. This is very important. Verse 22 said, "The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side." If you look at what Abraham's side means, or Abraham's bosom, if you look at other versions and King James versions, what does that mean? Well, basically, the Abraham's bosom was was an, was would say it was a place. It wasn't heaven, but it was like a heaven. This is where all of God's children would go if you do not know what this is. I'm not going to preach completely on this, but I am going to give you an idea of what it is. All of God's children, when they passed before Jesus' resurrection, there was no access to heaven. So this is why Jesus is saying this story. I want you to understand what Abraham's side is a representation of heaven, but it is in heaven. That's where the people were that were God's children. And then the rich man also died and was buried. Go to the next. And he was in Hades. Hades is a representation of hell. Rich man goes to hell. The poor man goes to heaven. Let's just keep it at that right for now. Say amen. 
So here we go. The, poor, the, the rich man was in Hazel. He was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him. Now this rich man is burning in hell. And he calls, he said, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the finger in water to cool my tongue, the tip of his finger. Because I am in agony in this fire. Look what the next verse says. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here and you are in agony. Go to the next verse. And beside all of this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go here to you cannot, nor anyone can cross over, meaning it's too late. Abraham's letting this guy know, sorry, bro, you had your chance, you blew it. Next verse. Then Lazarus said again, he, hey, I beg you, Father, please send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers, let him warn them so that they won't have to come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets to listen to them. Go to the next verse. No, father. So you can see there's a discussion now between Abraham and this guy that's in hell right now. Look what it says here. No, father, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophet, they won't be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Go to the next verse. As a matter of fact, I'm stopping right there. Are you with me, church? Say amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. Father God, I pray right now. That you and your Holy, your Holy Spirit right now, Father, dissects this so that each and every single person can receive what you have for them, Lord. I pray, my God, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you use me as your instrument as I, as I am used by you, God, to preach to your people this morning. In the name of Jesus, take total control. Amen. I'm going to dissect this now piece by piece. In the beginning of all of this story, Jesus is letting us all know how rich this guy really is. You see that it says here, this man was filled. He had, look what it says here in verse 19. He was clothed in purple and fine linen and feasted sumptuously every day. Now, in this story, we see a rich man and a poor man. I want you to understand this before I get deeper. There's nothing wrong with being rich. That's not a sin. As a matter of fact, some of the godliest people in the Old Testament were, one of the, were the richest in all of the earth. Abraham was filled with money. King Solomon, no one in history has ever had anywhere near as much as he's had. If you look at it historically speaking, you have archaeological facts stating on how rich King Solomon really was. God-fearing man, very godly man. David, King David, very rich individual. As a matter of fact, Luke, the one, this is the one that's writing this gospel, Luke, he himself was a physician. Back in the day, that made good money. Uh, and, and if you look at other disciples, Matthew, he was a tax collector. Think about the IRS. You think they don't have money? 
So what I'm trying to get at is, in this story, the wealthy man is the bad guy, okay? But that doesn't mean Jesus is saying that all wealth is bad, okay? But in this case, his audience, and he knows who he's talking to while Jesus is saying this parable, these guys have their hearts in the wrong spot. Because here the Lord shows us that it's all about the heart. So let's just put that aside. I wanted to be clear. I'm not here to tell you and preach against money. But in this case, the most important thing, and when you leave here this morning, you're going to understand it's about here, not about here. That's the number one. Put your hands together. So Jesus had been speaking to the Pharisees for their love of money. They wanted to look good in front of other people and be spiritually respected. They wanted to hide their sins and pretend that they were more holy than they really were. So we know there's a rich man. Jesus describes him in such a way that he's feeding to excess. And he had a poor man that was outside of his house every morning begging for crumbs. The rich man didn't even give him his table scraps. Say, so right there, that could be another preaching in its own. What, is, what are you doing with the money that God gives you? <laughs> now, in this day, back in the day, being this Jewish-minded that they were, and they said, you know, if all of these people, if, if I am an individual that has money, then it's assumed that I'm favored by God. If you're a child of Abraham and you're wealthy, God's favor is on you, clearly. And if you're poor, then you must have done something wrong. Or maybe your parents have done something wrong. So these people have it in their minds that there is, a, there is a correlation between being rich and God's favor over your life. And that if you're poor, then that means God is withholding something from your life. Okay. But here, which Jesus does all the time and I love it so much, he flips the script. You see, the rich man in this case, in this particular case, is the one with the problem and not the poor. So, oh, man, and that's how Jesus gets us, right? You think one thing, it's like, whoa, sorry. Hold your horses there, buddy. These Pharisees are saying, how is it possible? I'm the one that's favored by God. I'm the one that has the money. If he's poor, he for sure should be in hell. But this parable, Jesus is telling it, and he flips the script. He's explaining that the poor man trusted in God, and that's why he went to Abraham's side. The rich man now is in torment. He's in anguish. Verse 24, look what it says here. He looks up. Let's start off. We're going to dissect it now. Verse 24, he sees Lazarus at the father of Abraham and says, Father. Verse 24. Sends Lazarus, huh? He sees Lazarus at Father Abraham says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus. What do you mean send Lazarus? First of all, you find out two things here from this rich man. The first thing, he knew who Lazarus was. So it's not like he can already hide this fact that he didn't know who this poor man was. And then number two, he even wants Lazarus to be like his errand boy. Send Lazarus. Send Lazarus. I didn't say say Lazarus. I said that's what he's telling Abraham. <laughs> Send Lazarus. Go do my errands for me. 
This guy's in hell. He still hasn't learned. Someone say amen. amen. I like how you guys are saying that. That was funny. That was a good one. In the, in the gospel of John, though, we'll, we'll get to that one. Hold on. Sorry. I don't want to do that. Because he, he says there is one that says, Lazarus, come forward. That was a different one. That's a different Lazarus. But let's keep on going. We, with me, church, say amen. amen. Verse 25. It says here. Then Jesus, the story continues to go on in verse 25. You see what it says here. Jesus is saying, look at this to the rich man. Man, in your lifetime, you got exactly what you wanted. You got exactly what you wanted. You didn't want God. You didn't want grace. You didn't want forgiveness. You didn't want eternal life. You wanted to worship and enjoy your materialistic benefits over me. You got exactly what was coming to you. And even then, the rich man again responds and says, do you think maybe... The rich man, I mean, now you think, man, the rich man has to understand, but he doesn't. Then he says, in verse 27, then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, so that they also can avoid at least not coming to this place of torment. And then look what it says. Then Abraham responds again. Father Abraham says to him at verse 29, hey, your brothers have Moses and the prophets. In other words, Jesus is telling them, you got the Bible. You have the Bible. And then he goes on again in verse 30, says, no, Father, if someone from the dead will go, I guarantee you my brothers will repent. Basically, right there, you know what he just said, right? The Bible's not enough. The Bible's not enough. Because why would he tell them again? No. Moses tells them, you got Bibles and the, you got the prophets, you got Moses. Basically, you have the word of God. You have them right there. No, it's not enough. Someone needs, he needs to see. They need to see it to believe it. Now we could talk about in the Gospel of John about Lazarus. When Lazarus was resurrected from the dead, because Jesus had resurrected Lazarus, guess what? The Pharisees still didn't believe it. Put your hands together. That's me jumping. But we're, you're here with me, church, say amen. This is Jesus in the parable. Jesus knows a thing or two, my friends. And he knows. And that's why he's saying this parable. He's trying to open up their minds to these Pharisees. He knows that even if someone were to be raised from the dead, they still wouldn't believe. The bottom line, they were worshiping the wrong thing. They desired the wrong thing. That's why they rejected God. That's why they don't repent. That's why they don't believe. It's not because they lack information. It's because they haven't seen, it's not because they haven't seen a miracle. It's because their, their eyes are set on the wrong thing. Where are your eyes set on? Where is your heart? Where? 
Do you control money or does money control you? This is a very important topic to discuss. Are you generous to those that are less fortunate than you? Do you give? Because <laughs> now you can, now it's like, oh my God. But you know what? This is not for me to talk here and make you feel bad, guys. This is for us. To, we're all here growing. We're all here to learn. Because you know what? The point is, is where is your heart? You can't be like that Pharisee. You can't, have your, you can't have your eyes on material possessions. That can't be your number one. You have to first cling on God. Cling on it. A true rich man doesn't, doesn't focus on materialistic things. It may look like it, but guess what? Look at the rich man. He was, man, he was, he was living with fine linen, fine everything. And, and is that a sin? No. But what was a sin was where his heart was at. And this is what the Lord wants you to understand. Sin has a way of deceiving us. That's why Jesus is telling the story the way he is. He wants people to recognize that sin can get a hold of us. Even if you don't realize it sometimes. Look what it says here. This is a great quote. The problem is not the problem. The problem is that we don't know we have a problem. That's why people don't repent. I'm going to say it again. The problem isn't the problem. The problem is that we don't know we have a problem. That's why people don't repent. If you have a problem, put your hands together if you believe that quote. And you see, this is the beautiful thing about the Spirit of God is that he's the one that will reveal to you what the problem is. Because then you can repent. And maybe some of you today are saying, wow, I need to repent. Amen, repent. <laughs> and you're watching me live as well. Listen, I like good things. There's nothing wrong with being with, there's nothing wrong with pursuing. Listen, God doesn't want you to lack in anything. God wants you to be more than abundant. God wants to bless you so you can be like Abraham and be a blessing to others. And obviously in this case, I'm not only talking about, I'm talking now monetarily right now. But then there's other blessings as well, man, that you can give to others that you don't necessarily have to be monetarily. But in this case, we're talking about money. So let's talk about the money. And let's talk about it because guess what? If God wants to bless you with it, you need to do something with it. You just can't keep it all to yourself and be, and be like this that, uh, spiritually fat and obese. You got to give it. You got to use it. You got to, man, we are called to, we're called to be a blessing to others, church. Not just for ourselves. And that's why Jesus says this parable too. And he uses that example on how he feasted so much, didn't even give the crumbs to a man that he knew was in need. And that's where his, you can already, you can already tell by the story, his heart was in the wrong place completely. Don't allow the enemy to deceive you of sin. A true rich man doesn't, a true rich man doesn't rely on his possessions here on earth. Materials don't make you rich. You have two main qualities of being a true rich man. Number one, you put God first in your life. Most importantly, above all, 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. Put your hands together if you believe that. And number two is found in Proverbs 9, verse 10. Ready, church? It's the book of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord. Your heart needs to be in the right place, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you ever, as a matter of fact, this just came up to me right now. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to tell you right now about this verse. I don't want to say the guy's name because I don't like bashing people, but this guy was like a prominent, big-time, global, incredible, gifted pastor. And uh, he was, man, he was well-known all over the world. I don't want to repeat his name, but I am going to tell you this is a true story. He himself said it on, I think it was 60 Minutes. And this was so true. And it's like, okay. And I'm glad we're all here and we're going to hear it and you're going you're gonna to impact you like it's impacting me. This guy was a prominent, 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 super incredible. The Lord used him mightily, pastor. Very well known all throughout America and the world. And he had a problem with prostitution. Literally, he, got, he went to jail for it. He would leave his house in the middle of the night and go and do what he did in the middle of the night, and that's it. You guys can, don't paint too much of a picture. You already know what I'm talking about. He got caught. He went to jail for it. His whole ministry crumbled. A couple years go by, or a couple months, I wasn't sure, and then they had an interview with him. They said, bro, what's wrong? <laughs> what happened? Did you stop loving God? The guy said, Never. I love my God. I still love my God. So then what was your problem? My problem was that I, I didn't, I never have ever stopped loving God. I stopped fearing God. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And you always pray for everyone. But I know someone needs to hear this because it's the truth. And the truth will set us free, ladies and gentlemen. And that's the reason why we're here. Put your hands together if you believe that as well.